clean if he gets close to anybody, but I think he'll be okay. No, he, I'm, I'm teasing. He's not contagious. So, all right. We've been going through this series here. And, uh, you know, God brings us through our life. He brings, uh, he brings, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm starting out bad. This is, this is terrible. He brings experiences into our life uh, so that he might be able to use us later in our life. Right? We're, all, we're not all usable immediately. Right, we we have an experience of. I remember when I first started in art school. It was Butera School of Art in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, one of the first things the instructor said, one of the teachers said, was, "Whatever you do, do not go out and paint a sign anywhere, because it will be up for twenty years and you will hate it every time you go by it." <laughs> Boy, wasn't he right. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And, but some did. And uh, I'm telling you, you look at it. And I look at stuff I, I, I've uh, had to do, you know, just 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, why did I do that? You know, because you're always, always better. But you know what? I'm thankful the Lord brings experiences into our life because the end goal is he wants to use us. He wants to use every one of us. And if we're not careful... The things that we look at in life as negatives and derogatory, we can miss that it's actually what God has brought into our life so that he can use us. We don't like what God brings into our life sometimes. But you know what he's doing, the ultimate goal? You know what the ultimate goal is? To get rid of you. The ultimate goal is for you to come to the end of yourself, the end of your abilities, the end of, end of your uh, uh, whatever you think you have to offer God. I'm telling you, the sooner you come to the end of it, listen to me, I'm telling you, it is absolute freedom in the Lord. Because here's what you realize. I don't have to make anything happen. I don't have to create the change. I don't have to bring somebody to salvation. All I have to do is rely on Him, right, and just do what I'm told to do. <laughs> it's really that easy. Could you imagine if you went into work and, uh, you know, whatever your, your field was, and, and they said, hey, don't worry about... Don't worry about, right, don't worry about the bottom line. Don't worry about uh, the dividends. Don't worry about what our stock prices are. Don't even worry about it. It's not even up to you. You just do this, right? And boy, that's nice. Now, when you go into company meetings and they're like, our sales are down and this is down and that's down and you're doing, you know, you're like, oh, no. The way the whole company's on you. And what do you do? You don't even do your job as well anymore, right? No, it's, it's liberating. It is freedom. And this is what God is trying to, to do is to get us to the end of ourselves. That's what he did in Abraham's life. A hundred years old to have a son. Can I tell you, Abraham was the most capable person there was out there. Not only did he just believe God, he was accounted unto him for righteousness, but man, this guy could make money. This guy was a farmer. This guy was a warrior. He had his own, he had his own army. That he went, When he went out to go get his, son, his uh, nephew Lot, he went out with 400 armed men and took on these kings and brought his, 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 uh, his stupid uh, nephew home, right? I'm telling you, this guy was accomplished. But watch this. God brought him to the end of himself. And at 100 years old, he had the son, right? Why not before? He wasn't ready. It would have been too much of him. And God says, no, I can't work with that. And so he wants to use us, but he's got to get us out of our way. And the way he does that is he brings things into our life over and again that we, we are faced with that, you know what? We're not as competent as we think we are. We're really not. No, no, don't get me wrong. We can do some wonderful things. But in the scheme 
of God's work of redeeming mankind and using us to bring people to himself, yeah, we're not very competent. And uh, so we rely upon him. And this is why God does this. So in our, in our, uh, we started a couple weeks ago, we've been looking at the, the life of uh, Samuel and his journey to Shiloh. And the things that God brought into Samuel's life, right? He, there is the, uh, kind of a, an interesting calling. We know the background of him. His, his, uh, Hannah wanted his son and said, I'll give him back to you. And boy, she got us Samuel. And, he, and she brought him back into Eli and brought him back um, into the temple after he was weaned and old enough. And while he was there, we don't know how long it was or how old he was when it happened. But finally, God called him. And we know what happened, right? Because uh, Eli didn't, uh, didn't have the spiritual, uh, uh, the, the spiritual aptitude to understand what was going on. Took him a couple times and finally tells Samuel, The one that's calling you, it's not me, it's God. Next time say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And so he did, and God began to speak to Samuel. And uh, no, God used Eli in his life. Listen, God uses the most unsuspecting people in our life. Don't dismiss, hey, don't dismiss the use of the lost world in your life. Have you ever, hey, the Bible says the children, sometimes the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Does, isn't that annoying sometimes? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you, you'll, you'll watch somebody who is uh, an absolute reprobate have some better character than you. Has that you ever had that happen on a certain instance? And boy, isn't isn't that indicting, right? Right? They they uh, they, they they took a stand. I remember. Uh, I'm not making a correlation here, but I remember one time uh, the owner of a company I worked for. Man, he was a reprobate, and everybody knew what he was like. And I uh, had a I had a client. We had a sale that I closed, and but he said, "Hey, can you go ahead? This is an insurance claim. Can you put the deductible into the price? That way, I don't have to cough up the deductible." I'm like, well, I don't know, I'll ask, you know. Went into this reprobate's office, and I said, hey, I asked him if we could do this. He goes, no, it's illegal. That's all he said, no, it's illegal, and went back to his work. Okay, walked out of there, called the guy, nope, can't do that, it's illegal. Okay, right. I mean, this, come on now. I, sometimes, listen, God will use this world to teach us. And God used Eli, who was... Um, Wicked in his own right that he didn't that he didn't control his sons, and he let some things go. But God used them. So don't don't think that only God can use saved people in your life. He uses others at times. He was a uh, so he was he was assisted by Eli. He was approached by God eventually, and uh, and so he heard God. He came into a relationship with God at a very young age, and and finally as he began to grow and as God began to use him. He came into the, the understanding, I guess I should say, of the need of the holiness of God. And you know, Samuel was one of those judges, I tell you what, when he showed up, remember the Bible said people trembled. They said, is everything okay? Is all well? Right? Because when Samuel showed up, it meant, he meant business, man. He had, he had no, he, he, had, uh, he, he, had, um, he would not suffer anybody to live uh, wickedly against God. And man, people were afraid when he showed up. And, and so we see here, I want to notice here, secondly, uh, that we looked at the, the calling of Samuel a couple weeks ago, that he was assisted by Eli, that he was approached by God. But I want to notice this here today, the holiness, the holiness of God. D.L. Moody said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. 
I like that. You know, our life is to shine in a dark world. The darker it gets, the brighter our light should be. The only reason we are our witness and our, our light goes dim is because we begin to put over the light the wickedness of darkness, right? We begin to cover it up with this world. And so here you have Eli. He's the same priest that blessed Elkanah and Hannah when they prayed for his son. He served God for a lot of years. We know that. But he allowed his sons to bring wickedness into Israel. Right? He was aware of their sins. I told you this. He didn't, he didn't do a thing about it. He allowed it to do, to, to bring this in. And, and then as time went on, and this is what happens with sin that is not corrected. You know, the old saying, nip it in the bud. Well, there is a reason. Because the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the process of sin is, is temptation, right? The Bible says uh, we're, we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And then uh, when, when lust comes, then sin comes. And when sin, when sin is conceived, and then death comes, right? There's a process. You'd have to go look the verse up because I've kind of butchered it. But there's a process of lust, sin, and death, right? It grows. It, listen, it never stagnates. The sin that you're harboring today, listen, it doesn't stagnate. It will always grow. The only way it will stop is that if it is cut off and removed out of your life. You know, I, I shouldn't even say cut off. The only way it'll, it'll really be out of your life is if it is uprooted and pulled out. I did a, a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Jeff Dameron a while back ago, or uh, Steve Dameron a while back ago, and he had asked uh, on, the, on the topic of sin. And, uh, and he had asked a question, and one of the things I'd, I had said was, you know, sin being dealt with is not always easy. Whenever you have to uproot something, damage always happens. Look at when you pull a weed up, damage happens to the soil. It pulls up. Sometimes you'll pull up grass with it. Sometimes you'll put up. The, I know this is a little microcosm. I get it. But, but think about this. You get into the, the weed gets bigger and bigger and bigger in that root system. The root system of weeds are far deeper than that of grass. They will go down until they get water and they'll suck all the water. That's why the grass will die. And the weeds are looking great because they're going deep getting the water when the grass, is, the, the grass uh, roots are just really shallow. Brother Earl, you know this very well. You ever see a, a, a Brother Allen, you get out and see, see them old horse thistles? Oh, those nasty, about that big around at the bottom. And you don't chop them up. You dig them up. And let me tell you when, you, when they get that big and you get a shovel out and you start digging them up, you create a lot of damage. Listen, friend, if you let sin sit in your life long enough, it's going to be dealt with. God's going to deal with it. It needs to come out. And the bad thing is, when we don't deal with it when we should, way more damage is done when we finally deal with it. Nip it in the bud. Listen, sin never stagnates it never just dies of its own, right? It, it'll grow and grow and grow. This is what happened in Israel. Eli's sons were bringing in such wickedness into Israel that it was growing and the roots were getting deeper and deeper and deeper to the point that God wasn't going to correct it through Eli. He brought Samuel. Listen to 1 Samuel. Look at, listen to uh, chapter 3. Listen to verse 12 through 14. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Verse 12, in that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. May God never say that of something in our life. May, may we never come to a place in our life where God says, 
Well, I'm going to deal with this now. You had an opportunity to deal with it. Now I'm going to deal with it. And when I start, I'm not going to stop. See, you started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped. You, you, you thought it was good enough and you didn't, but you knew there were some roots way down deep that you were leaving. God says, boy, don't let me start because I'll, I'll end and it's not a good thing. Yeah. Oh, you'll lose your salvation. Well, we know that's not true. Right? Absolutely not. But boy, what a sad thing to go into the presence of God without a glorious entrance like we could have had. Yeah, I've told you this before. Remember this? A preacher went to go visit uh, one, of their, one of his men in the hospital. And uh, he was dying. He was dying. And uh, the pastor said, you know, he was, he was a born-again man. He said, isn't this wonderful? You're going to be seeing Jesus very soon. You're going to see him face to face. And the guy began to weep. And he said, isn't that wonderful? And the man said, no. He goes, I, I, I've got something in my life that I just thought I would have gone by now. And I realize I'm going to come in, front of the, in the presence of Jesus with this, with this sin in my life that I thought I would have gone by now and it's still here. What an awful thought. Yeah. And I'm not talking about daily mess-ups. He obviously had some deep root in his life uh, that was deep-seated in his life that he was ashamed. He was dying with shame that he was going to go into the presence of the Lord Jesus with this still in his life. And uh, what, what an awful thought that is. And so God wants to deal with it. He wants to. Some ways he deals with it is he just takes us home. Sometimes you call your kids in when they're playing. Okay, get in the house. You've done enough damage for the day, right? And uh, all right, maybe I was the one. who. Maybe you didn't, okay? But anyway, he said, I'm going to perform. Look at verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. He knoweth. This wasn't like, oh, I didn't know this was wrong. Eli knew what was wrong, and he allowed it to happen. He said, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn into the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. How was the sin of Eli's house going to be purged? They were going to be taken off the planet. No sacrifice was going to suffice for this one. It was too deep. He had let it go too long. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, this is, this is a, a real warning <clears throat> to pastors who allow sin to go in the church and they don't deal with it. They know it's there. I'm not talking, listen, we don't know what's going on in everybody's life. And I don't want to know what's going on in everybody's life. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to deal with my own life, right? And uh, my own flesh. But I don't want to, but boy, if you know something that's going on. We had an instance here once a while back. Uh, a few years ago, and, and I kind of inherited the problem, and it went on, and I didn't know what to do about it. Well, I did, but at the very beginning, I thought, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach. We're going to preach, and we're going to wait for conviction, and we're going to wait for some change in this. It never came. Two years came and gone. It never came. And I said, I've got it. It's got to be dealt with. It has to. And uh, the individual came into to the office, and Sherry was with me, and I said, listen, you know we love you, right? Oh, they said, yeah, I know that. I said, you have two options. You either make this right, you can fix it this way, or you need to fix it this way, and you can't be a member. And they said, I know, I know. Yeah. I said, we want you here. Oh, no, we want you here. You need to be here. But you, you, you can't partake of the supper. You can't be a member until you get this right. And uh, can I tell you, sadly, I don't think they ever got it right. Yeah. It breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. You know what happens? Well, they moved. It wasn't out of anger, but they moved. 
But you know what? They find sometimes they can find another church, and you know they'll just won't, won't ask a question, just let things go right. But I will tell you this. Let me tell you this: the character of the individual. It was a tough situation. I'm not. I'm not putting past that how bad, how difficult the situation was. But I will tell you this: they they haven't joined a place because they know they can't. I'll give them that. <laughs> they they know they they shouldn't be joining asking a church to join it because of the condition that they're living in that needs to be changed. And so it's hard. It's hard. But I tell you what, it has to be done. This isn't my church. It's his church. Right? It, it, isn't, it isn't mine. And, it's, and uh, I know, I know a, a, a church right now, the, the pastor has a known problem in his church, and he will not discipline him out. And it grieves me. He's a, he's a friend of mine. I know him. I, I know the whole situation. And I'm, oh, come on. This is what Eli did. There was known sin. He was the priest, and he didn't deal with it. And God took care of him and his sons. And so Samuel comes on. We're talking about the holiness of God. God listen, God is holy. He is pure. He'll purize and behold evil and canst not look upon sin. He made this proclamation against Eli, but he also stated it for the purpose of Samuel. Why? Samuel had been faithful. Samuel had been faithful, and God called him to serve. And if God called him to serve, he called him to serve in a clean life. God wanted Samuel to have a vessel that was fit for his use, not sinless. There is a big difference between sinless and blameless. Blameless means you have had sin, you will sin, but you will take care of it and deal with it immediately when it comes. And when you do, and it's under the blood, you are blameless. Right, but not sinless. So we don't want to ever uh, live in an un- a state of unconfessed sin. It's not right. It's so easy to get it taken care of too. Think about that. Oh, I understand. Sometimes it's not so easy to get the thing out of your life, but boy, it's easy. First John one nine isn't hard, friend. If we confess our faults, what's that mean? It, 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 it's not you know necessarily asking for forgiveness to start. The first the first thing is going. I am wrong, and this is sin. No excuses. I'll tell you what. You know what you'll find the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely, it's so easy. But Second Timothy two twenty and twenty one. But in a great house are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some of honor and some of, some of dishonor. It says in verse twenty one. It says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, means set apart, meet, useful for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. God wants to use you. He is bringing things into your life to prepare you, to mold you, to make you, to make you usable. Listen, we've got to be clean vessels. We've got to be. Not sinless, but clean. What do you mean? Well, we, I just, do I have to go over it again? Chris, can I go on? You get it? The blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Yeah, not sinless, but clean. God wants clean vessels. And this is what Samuel was. He was a clean vessel. Right? He was given to God when he was a child. His parents had dedicated him to serve God, and that's exactly what he did. So we see the holiness of God here. His holiness and his pronouncement against Eli. He is not going to let things go. He will not. But secondly, we see his holiness and the purpose for Samuel. God wanted a clean vessel. 
You know what? Could you imagine if, if Samuel never watched God deal with, with Eli's sin? What he could have come away with that thinking, well, I guess they got away with it. How many of us looked at people's lives, they claim the name of Christ, and it looks like they're just getting, getting away with everything? Yeah. Can I tell you, the, it's not over yet, number one, it's not over yet. But number two, uh, they may not be a child. Yeah. He chastens those whom he loves. Be zealous, therefore, the Bible says, and repent. He chastens those. He, he chastens his own. And so, God is a God, He is a holy God, and He wants to use us, and He wants us clean. One of the greatest things is we can look around the world and see the Eli's that are in our own life. See the Eli's sons that we are aware of in other churches, maybe, in other families. I mean, they've come by your path, and you've, I'm telling you, it's sad. You know what? Every time I, I, I cross paths, whether it's in somebody else's church or uh, in somebody else's life or in our own family, in our own relatives, every time I cross paths with somebody that knows better and is living contrary to the Word of God, every time I, you walk away from them, you walk away with these words. God's right. The way of the transgressor is hard. And you see the bitterness in their life and the anger in their life and the lack of joy in their life. Oh, no, they're, they're doing so much activity that they're, oh, they're happy. <laughs> no, they're not. You get around them for two minutes and, and they're away from all of the, the stimulus of whatever they're trying to fill their life with. And you'll, you'll, you'll be in front of a life that is void of joy, that is void of peace, that is void of contentment. And you walk away going, God's right. I mean, you've tried to live contrary to the word of God and it doesn't work. Amen. It doesn't work. We need to know this. God wants to use you. God wants to use us. And we need to be clean vessels. We see, we see the Eli's all around us. And I'm telling you, it's not a good thing. Not at all. I want to show you number two. There is the calling of Samuel. But secondly, there is a process of the cleansing of the people. Now, <clears throat> Eli's sons had brought in such wickedness into Israel. It affected the whole body. It affected the whole, it affected the whole family. The Bible says if, 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 if your eye is light, your whole body is light. If the eye is dark, the whole body is darkness. Right? No, listen, when we let sin into our life, it doesn't just affect our eye or our ear or our finger or our toe. It affects the whole body. It affects the whole body. If, if holiness comes into our life, it affects the whole body. Hey, if sin comes into the church, it affects the whole body. It affects everybody. You might not even know it. We might not even realize it. But it affects everything. Right? And so God was showing Samuel here that, listen, Eli's just two, two, two helpers, two sons of Eli, affected the entire nation. And so what, what, what was it time for? Well, now it's a time to clean it up. God wanted to clean it up. A, condi- a cleaning of the people. A conditional covenant. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 7. Would you turn over there and we'll read that. 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Brother Earl, would you read verses 2 and 3 for us? Came to pass while the ark abode in Kibberjerim, 
that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Asherah from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Amen. See where it starts, don't, don't you? You see where it starts? It's the heart. Listen, if you find yourself away from God, it's because your heart's away from God. Your heart got, uh, got attached to something else or someone else or whatever it may be. And it pulled it away. Look what he said. If, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods of Astra from among you. Can I tell you that wouldn't be the hard thing to do at all? Because right? watch, when your heart, listen, when your heart is after the Lord, your heart isn't for other things. Your heart can only be, you can't have a divided heart. When that thing pumps, it's not pumping blood out of one side and water out of another side and doing this and one's doing That whole thing is working all together. It's doing, and it has one job, to pump blood through, blood through the body, right? When you're, listen, if your heart is, is away from God, it, it, listen, and, and attached to somebody else, something else, it's, it can't do two things. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, right? You, you can't do two, two things at once. And what, so the natural thing is, if a person does get their heart right with God, <clears throat> it's one of the easiest things. They will walk away from things that aren't God. Yep. They'll walk away from things <clears throat> that aren't God because their heart's not there anymore. Their heart's after the Lord. That's why I struggle with people saying, oh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm closer to the Lord than I've ever been. And they're living in worldliness and, and sin. It's like, uh, you may not realize this because obviously you're not very deep in, in the Word of God here, but that's not possible. It just doesn't work like that, right? <clears throat> and so, anyway, so God is trying to cleanse, trying to cleanse Israel. And so there's a conditional covenant that God gives here. It was formed because the Ark of the Covenant had been kept over in Kirjath-Jerim. And it was, had been over there for 20 years. And the Bible said all the house of Israel had lamented after the Lord the Israel wanted the, the Ark of the Covenant uh, out of the land of the Philistines and brought back home. They were sad. It was, it, was, it, was not, it was not in the land. And listen to Judges chapter 13, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistine forty years. So this is about the end of the forty years that Samuel is coming as a judge into Israel. And God brings a covenant through Samuel. And it was a conditional covenant. Now listen to the conditions of this covenant. We're talking about cleaning out the filth out of the land. We're talking about taking a bath. We're talking about getting the, the, the wickedness out of the land. Number one, Israel has to return to the Lord with all of their hearts. We read that. They must put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among them. We just read that. And they must prepare their hearts unto the Lord to serve uh, Him only. So there's a process to this covenant. God says, if you do these things, we'll, we'll, bring, we'll, bring the, we'll, we'll, bring the, we'll get the ark back in the land. And so Israel's mourning brought them, to a point of, brought them to a point of confession, brought them to a point of repentance over their sin. Listen to 1 Samuel, look at chapter 7, 
Look at verse 8 through 10. Brother Jim, are you there? You want to read verse 8 through 10 for us? First uh, Samuel chapter 7? Yes, sir. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the land of the Philistines. And Samuel took a <coughs> lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. Yes. You know, it's really important to note here is that before God helped them, they had to get their heart right with them and, get the, and confess the sin in their life. They had to get the sin out of their life. We know what Psalm 66, 18 says, right? David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, no, he hears our prayer. Don't, don't, it's not like, like some weird uh, you know, wall goes up around us and, and prayer doesn't go to God. He hears them, but he can't respond to them. He can't respond. Why? Well, he would be aiding and abetting the sin in our life that needs to be taken care of. Do you know there's some things bigger than your needs for food and water and sustenance? Right? What did Job said? I need that word more than my necessary food. Remember that? There's some things that are more important than having the right amount of money in the bank. There's some things more important than staying alive for another five or ten years. And God is so wise and so self-consistent. Uh, 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 self you know, he, he doesn't necessarily need us. He can wait an entire lifetime before he ever answers another prayer. Why? Because he's more concerned about our relationship with him than all of these ancillary little things that we think that we need. Yeah. And they may be good, right? But no, God is going to deal with these things. Samuel intervened. You saw it in verse 4, right? They had to confess. They had to get some things. Hey, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. But listen, the reason that there may not be going a lot going on in your life is because there's some things that need to be out of your life. And you know what I guarantee you? At this very moment, if, if that's you, I'm not saying it's anybody in here, but if it is, I've known this out of my own life. I'll just be honest. Out of, I'll be real transparent. That's a big word today, right? I'll be transparent. When somebody says you need to get the sin out of your life, listen, I, I knew what it was. Nobody had to tell me what it was. The Holy Spirit, well, I mean, you usually know where the, where the problem lies, don't you? I mean, nobody has to tell, now, is it this? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Is it this? Well, maybe not. What about this? Well, it might sound familiar. I don't know. What about that? No. Come on. We know what it is. You know what it is. If that's you, get it out. Get it, deal with it. Deal with it so God, so God can use you. Look at verse 12 of 1 Samuel 7. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Hitherto thy help I've fled. Right? I think that's how that song goes. Ebenezer, what's it mean? A stone of help. Here it is. A stone of help. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, my horn of salvation, my high tower, the psalmist said. He was a great help, isn't he? And so, God wants us holy. God wants us clean. God wants us not sinless, but God wants us blameless. He wants to be able to use us. He can't use a dirty, filthy vessel. Could you imagine? Now, okay, guys. We might not be as repulsed at finding a, a, a cup on the sink and just throwing some water in it and taking it and walking away with it, right? But I know my wife would be like, I'm not drinking out of that, right? 
That's disgusting. You need to wash that out. Did you wash that? I'm like, I don't know. I think so. No, probably not. I'll drink it. Here, I'll get you another one. <laughs> I don't care, right? So, so many times. But, you know, no, the people that uh, have some couth, right, they don't like dirty vessels. Could you imagine sitting down at somebody's house, being invited over for dinner, and they're sitting the plates out, and you're like, these are breakfast plates, and they haven't been cleaned yet. They're like, oh, yeah, they're all right. Start slopping food down on that plate. I'm, even I'd have trouble with that one, right? That'd be kind of gross, right? That'd be kind of gross. You ever think that maybe the Lord looks at our life when He wants to use us and go, oh, I can't, I can't heap stuff on this to use. It's too dirty. It's too dirty. And so we see the cleansing of the people. But notice the concern of Samuel, how sad this was. The people refused the hand of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? It looks clear to us, but hey, how many people do you know today that just refuse to get right with God? They refuse to be clean. They refuse to make the changes in their life. Look at uh, verses 8 and 9 of 1 Samuel chapter 12. Turn over to chapter 12 if you would. I'm going to show you this. Verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, When Jacob was coming to Egypt... And your fathers cried unto the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your, your fathers um, out of Moses. I'm um, sorry, brought, your, uh, brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Oh, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, no, I'm right. That's, that's where I'm at. And they fought against them. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So the people, they refused, they refused the hand of God. What happened? They forgot all that God had done. They forgot. How many of you, how many of you had, a, had a great need before the Lord and you forgot all that He had done before that? How many have had a great need and you've reminded the Lord, now, Lord, I, I've watched you do this. And I've watched you do this in our life. And I've watched you bring this about. And I've watched you fix this. And I've watched you provide for this. And boy, before you know it, you're praying in the Spirit. And you're praying in faith. And you're like, I know you can do this too. Right? And you walk away with joy and, and trust and all of these things. But I tell you what, you forget what the Lord has done? Prayer life isn't real strong, is it? No, it's not at all. Not at all. They forgot that God was mighty. They forgot what He had done. And so He reminds the people... Right? That he reminds them who sent their human leaders, Moses and Aaron. He has to remind them who did this. It was God who had, who had done this. Right? He, uh, he, he reminded them what they were like when they were right with God. And what God was fighting for them and helping them. I'm telling you, I've heard this said before and it's so true. If you are losing spiritual battles in your life, it means there's a problem. The spiritual battle isn't the problem. It's an evidence that there's a deeper problem. It's evidence that there's some other sin that's underlying that's not being taken care of because God intends us not to not have battles, but God intends us to have battles and be victorious, right? And so if you're losing all the time, right, if you're constantly losing, I think you need to go to the Lord and go, okay, what's going on here? I'm losing. I I can't get over this. I can't get past this temptation. I can't get past this whatever, fill in the blank, and you know what it is. I can't do it. And there's something else wrong. There's something else going on. And he reminded, Samuel reminds them 
that uh, when they were right with God, yeah, God sent a judge to help them. When they were right with God, God intervened and sent Moses and Aaron, and uh, he delivered them from the people around them. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 12 now. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now notice that Samuel replaced the order of the Lord. I don't have time. We gotta, I'm going to stop here. But Samuel had a concern for Israel. They had refused the hand of the Lord. And then when Saul came and they said, oh, we want a king like all, all the other nations. God had to tell Samuel, Samuel, it's not you. It's me. Remember that when people reject the gospel at a door? <laughs> Remember that when people reject an invite to church? It's not you. It's him. Right? If you invited him to ice cream, they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, no, this is a real different, different thing. And, uh, but uh, they're not rejecting you. And, and here, and, and this, God reassured uh, Saul, uh, Samuel this way. And so Saul here becomes king, right? Israel wanted a king they could see. They were tired of a king they couldn't see. We do it too. Yep. When God seems to be distant, we go find us a visible king that we serve whether it's the bank, whether it's the credit card, whether it's entertainment, whether it's, I mean, uh, leisure, whether it's whatever it is, right? We find something to make king over our life and to call the shots that we, tr what, that we trust and rely in. Yeah. And uh, that's not what God, they had the greatest king they could ever have. We have the greatest king anybody could ever have, we, right? But they wanted a visible king. They wanted to look like all other nations. And Saul replaced, he replaced the order of the Lord. What did he give them? Saul. What a mess that was. Saul. It's funny, Philip, Philip Brooks was a famous pastor. And uh, <clears throat> somebody was, he was in his office pacing back and forth on the floor. And somebody came into his office and, uh, and they said, what's the matter, pastor? What's going on? And he said, I'm in a hurry and God isn't. <laughs> and that happened in our lives sometimes. Yeah. Saul was sent to Michmash. He'd been waiting for Samuel. He had been waiting. Uh, Samuel said, don't, don't come here. Don't come in, right, until I get there. Don't do anything. Well, he did, and he offered sacrifices, everything he shouldn't have done. He couldn't wait on God, so, you know, and uh, he chose to usurp the authority of the priesthood. He had no right to do that, and uh, he took lightly what God had established. What do we need to learn from this? What a mess this was here, but... Um, what do we need to learn? I want to understand. This is what we need to learn for us. We need to strive to be in a position to hear God's command and direction. That was, that was Saul's life. Uh, I mean, Samuel's life, not Saul's life. That's for sure. Sorry. Samuel's life. We need to be in a position to hear God's commands and His directions. Number two, we need to understand the holiness of God and we need to seek to cleanse ourselves from any unconfessed sin. God is a holy God. Yeah. One of the evidences that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us at sin because He grieves us. Right? If, he, if, if He left us at every sin, he, I mean, there would be no grieving. He'd just be gone. Right? Number three, determined to do God's work God's way. This is what Samuel did, Saul couldn't do. 
We do God's work God's way, right? And uh, then finally, seek to be a shining light to the rest of the world that's darkened by sin. Samuel was that light. Saul wasn't. He could have been, but he wasn't. Samuel was. And it was very evident as, as it went on. Do you know the Statue of Liberty was given to the United States in 1876 from France? And it, it serves as a, so, so sort of an emblem, right? Of freedom and liberty. It does not serve as an illustration that we have open borders and can take anybody and everybody off the planet into our nation. It doesn't, it, that's not what it's about. They like to tell you that's what it's about, but it's not. But it's about, it's, a, it's an emblem of freedom and safety. Did you know when it was first brought over, it also served as a lighthouse? That torch was used as a lighthouse, over 300 feet in the air, and it, it would shine out. And that light could be seen for over 25 miles. A lot of times lighthouses are in these random remote places where, the, the, you know, you come to an island or somewhere where a shipwreck could easily happen. But no, this, this lighthouse was put not in an out-of-the-way place, but it was put right right where it was calling people to. It was calling people to it, not away from it. It was saying, come, 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 right? That's our life. It's a lighthouse. It shines out miles and miles out to a lost world and telling them to come to the light, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Don't forget the order. Make sure your life is clean. Be in a place to hear from them. And if there's anything the Holy Spirit has been working on in your life, get it out. Uproot it and get it out because God's wanting to use you. Lord, thank you that you want to use us. It's, a, it's amazing at times when we look at ourselves and our inabilities, just our utter sillinesses at times, and to think that the God of heaven wants to use us. Conduits for you. We ask you, God, that you would help us and uh, that you would give us that heart and help us with our hearts to be... Uh, towards you completely, and Lord, that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to be what you'd have us to be for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I gotta run.